Well, good morning again. Very warm welcome to Holy Trinity Clapham. Uh, my name is Jamie Mulvaney, and I'm one of the associate ministers here. Uh, it's great to be with you this morning. Um, can I again add uh, my welcome uh, uh, along with Jago's? If you're here for the first time, it's particularly great to see you uh, this morning. We're going to be taking a look at 1 John, uh, which comes right toward the very end of the Bible. So if you'd like to uh, pick up your Bibles, and uh, we're looking at 1 John 4, which is on page 1227. So that's page 1227. So it's 1 John 4, and we're beginning at verse 7. And John writes, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Let's pray. Father, as Rachel led us in prayer earlier, we pray that each one of us would be ready to receive what it is that you have for us this morning. And we also particularly pray that my preaching is a lot better than my catching. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's Advent Sunday. Uh, I hope you're all getting your daily dose of chocolate. Um, Although we all know, don't we, that Advent is a little bit more than uh, just uh, chocolate calendars. For Christians in Advent, we, we look back. We look back to when Jesus came as a child. And we also look forward. We look forward to Jesus' return. And so for believers in Jesus, this is a time where we look in these two directions and we're filled with hope. We have this hopeful expectation for the future. And that affects the way that we live here and now. And so I'm pleased that over the next couple of Sundays, we're looking at this series in 1 John chapter 4. We're looking at what it means to be sent with love. Last weekend, I, I sent my family uh, some Christmas cards, because I'm a, I'm a good boy like that. Um, and we see here that John is he's writing a letter. He's writing a letter that's sent with love, and it's all about love. And earlier in the year, actually at the 9.30 service, I uh, spoke for three weeks on Romans 8 and what it means for us to be loved by God. And in this series, we're looking at how we love, how it is that, that we love. And so the message this morning is very simple. It's love one another. Now, you might be disappointed by that. You might think, oh, I've heard that before, Jamie. That all sounds a little bit basic. Step aside, John the Evangelist. John Lennon can tell me that. There's something so simple about this command, isn't there? 
There's something so simple, but it's right at the very heart of what we're about. I think it's why there's been so many uh, grown men who have been crying, hundreds and hundreds of, of men crying at Charlie Mackesy's exhibition in central London. Charlie Mackesy, who's an artist. And I think people are coming face to face with these messages of love, these messages of unconditional love. We know, don't we, that love is our deepest desire. It's also our deepest need. So I don't think we talk about love nearly often enough. But John, he gets this. In the gospel that he wrote, his account of Jesus' life, he refers to himself as the one that Jesus loves. Now, that might be the biggest name drop in the history of the world. But he understands that right at the very core of his identity is that he is someone who Jesus loves. And so when he writes this letter that we've just read from, um, from Ephesus to, to other believers... Uh, quite a lot of time has passed, he, he's, he's grown a lot older, and he majors on this theme of love. It's not always easy, is it, to love? Maybe we think we don't have much of a capacity for love in the first place. Or even if we do, we, we might feel that capacity for love has been deflated by disappointments by rejection, by hurt, perhaps by other people not loving us in the way that we'd hoped for. Maybe just the the busyness of life and living in the way that we live today, we just don't have that capacity for love. So I know that I'm supposed to love, but, but how can I? I need reminding every day that God is the source of love. So I don't have to conjure this up all by myself. As we read there in verse 7, that love comes from God. And then in the following verse, in verse 8, we read that God is love. And this is the, the simplest definition of God that you can find. And it's a very distinctively Christian definition of God. That God, he himself, is love. No other religion would describe God in quite the same way. Because it's at the very heart of who God is. We see this in the dynamic, in the, in the life of the Trinity. And John writes there in, in verse 7 that it means that to know God is to love him. And we see this described in two ways. We see this described both, both positively and negatively. Firstly, positively in verse 7. John writes, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And then secondly, negatively in, in verse 8, he writes, whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And so John here, he, he, he's, he's emphasizing that being loving is all about God. Now, I know quite a few people that aren't Christians who actually seem to be more nice and more loving than some Christians I know. 
And I guess, too, when I read this passage, I thought, too, well, th- does this mean that if, I'm, if I just simply love, if I'm loving, does that mean that I know God? Well, John here, he's not actually describing the kind of love that we all have the capacity for. Each one of us, we're made in the image of God. So we have that ability, we have capacity to love. But the word that John is using here for love is the word agape, or divine love. So as we look at, when when John is writing about love here, we look at the kind of love he's talking about. He's talking about divine love. So, So take the Sermon on the Mount, for an example. And Jesus says, don't just love those that love you, but love your enemies. And so this is no ordinary love source, is it? This is the divine love that took Christ to the cross. This is the source, this is the kind of love, this divine love that John is writing about. Now even here, even as part of a church community, there, there might just be someone that you don't quite get. That, uh, you, know, you don't really see eye to eye on with things, that they just sort of rub you up the wrong way. It might even be that you know a Christian that actually, if you're being honest, you really dislike. But it's very hard, I find, to regularly go on praying for someone and at the same time dislike them. Because when we pray for people, we are placing that person before God and getting his perspective on who they are and how he sees them. And so it's very likely that as you begin to pray for that person, that it's not so much about God changing them, but it's that God changes you. You find that you begin to love them. In verse 10, John says, this, in verse 10, John says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And so often when we feel that our capacity for love is low, that our capacity for loving others is low, that perhaps even our capacity for loving God is low, we need to be reminded of the source of love. We need to be reminded that this is the love that loved us, that loved you and me while we were still enemies. It's the love that took Jesus to the cross, that his love is unconditional. And so that while my feelings of love might come and go, God's love for us doesn't. So we go to the, the source of love. And then next we see, we see the, the shape of love that we see in Jesus. Because love doesn't just sort of sit there, does it? We see in verse 9 that John says that, that God sent his son. So God's love, it's not generic, but it's specific. God doesn't condone evil. He doesn't compromise with sin. But this is the very strong love of 
God's holiness. We read about so much in John's letters. This is the, the love that took on flesh, that took on flesh at great cost to Jesus. And it's not that, that Jesus came in between God and, and asked to save us from God's wrath. But it's that God in Jesus took on flesh, love incarnate, and died in our place. It's what we see in, in verse 10. So this is the love. This is the love that we see that is stronger than death. The love that we read about in, in Song of Songs. But this love isn't just the love of poetry, it's the, it's the love of prose. And so when, Jesus, when, when followers of Jesus think about the shape in which God's love takes and the way in which we are to love, we see a Roman form of execution. We see that love is sacrificial, that love gives, that love comes with a cost. I've found it so encouraging that um, we've got such a long waiting list of connect groups to help to volunteer with robes. We heard about robes earlier in the service. This initiative that we're part of is to be one of of many different groups that are um, giving um, people that would otherwise be sleeping rough a place to sleep at night, giving them a warm meal in the evening and in the morning. We know, don't we, that love, if it's worth its salt, cost, that love foregoes comfort, that love comes with sacrifice. And John writes in verse 9 that Jesus was sent so that we might live through him. Paul writes about how we are being given over to death so that others might live. And so when we experience love, when we experience love from the source of love, we find ourselves, don't we? We find ourselves wanting to give so that others might have life. And this is the the shape of love. And then finally, there's the, the substance of love. John writes in verse 12 that nobody has ever seen God. And people really struggle with this, don't they? Because we've been taught to only believe what we can empirically prove, what we can only see and touch and feel with our senses. And yet at the same time, we all know, don't we, that the things that are really invaluable in life are invisible. At Christmas, we're often reminded that John, this same writer, that he also writes that we have seen his glory, the glory of Jesus, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus says that those who have seen him have seen the Father. Paul writes that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. This is God incarnate. This is love incarnate what we are reminded of at Christmas. God incarnate sent to us, sent from the Father. And now we see that the the, the Father and the Son, they have sent the Holy Spirit. 
And God pours his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so there in in verse 12, John writes, if we love one another, God lives in us. If we love one another, God lives in us. So God, by his Holy Spirit today, he empowers us to be loving. He empowers us to love one another and to enable people to see Jesus in us. Sometimes loving others in our families is hard. And it's the same in our church family. You know, those people that are very similar, but ever so slightly different. But if we're unable to love one another, then we have very little to offer this world. But if we do learn this, if we do learn this ability to love one another, then something very special happens. Because we see there in verse 12 that John doesn't just say God lives in us, but he goes on to say, and his love is made complete in us. When we learn to love one another, that is when God becomes tangible to people around us. So if we go to the the source of love and we take on the shape of God's love, then we are the substance of God's love for this world. I've uh, just been on holiday, and uh, I know that uh, when people return from holiday, uh, there's two different categories of people. The first category is uh, the kind that you can't wait to put your key in your front door at home. And then there's the second category of people um, that would actually much rather stay on the holiday. And I fall into the second category. Um, and uh, I, was, I was coming home on Friday, and I wasn't really looking forward to the whole experience, you know, sort of lugging your luggage all through sort of London's busy public transport system right through peak hour. I know your hearts are bleeding for me right now. Thank you. Um, but I wasn't looking forward to the whole experience. It's just, it's, you know, it's, it's just a, a, a bit much. And I... Um, and that day, on Friday, I was, I was praying, I was asking God for some encouragement. I was, I was asking him for some inspiration, because I, I knew that I was speaking to you lovely people today. And so there I was, having arrived in London, and I was at um, passport control, and uh, I, um, normally I, I just sort of try to get through there as quickly as I can. Um, but as I was sort of coming towards the front of the queue, I got to the front of the queue, and then the, the lady who was sort of directing traffic of which table to go to, she, she came up to me and she said, hi, hi, Jamie. And I sort of thought, I, my, my passport isn't open. I, you know, what's going on here? And I realized that I recognized her too. And, and we knew each other from HTB, the, the church that I was part of before I came here. And so we had a, a lovely chat. It was just so amazing to, to, to see someone like that at passport control. And then it came for my turn to go forward to the desk. So I went forward to, to the desk. And it turns out that the, the lady that was stamping my passport, she was a Christian too. 
And um, we had this amazing chat. And, and she told me that um, she uh, regularly prays with the person that I'd just spoken to. And uh, we had this amazing time of, of sharing, of sharing what God had been up to in our lives, what were the things that we were struggling with, what we were praying for, what we were really wanting to see happen in and through our lives. I don't know what the people behind me were thinking. They probably thought I was some kind of wanted man because um, I was probably stood there for about 15 minutes. Um, But it was so encouraging. And just before I left, just as she was stamping my passport, she said to me, Jamie, I'm so grateful to God because he very clearly sent both of us to each other today to encourage one another and so that we could pray for each other. Your position here in London is not random. You have been sent here on purpose. Whether you're a border control officer, whether you're a homemaker, a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker, You have a purpose. You have been sent here with love. You have been sent here just like John to know that you are the beloved, that you are the one that Jesus loves and to be the tangible presence of God's love in this world. Amen.